Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Commons by Celebs. And welcome to our seventh ever emergency episode. We've done seven of these? Yeah, wow. wow. But this one just feels different, doesn't you it? You think so? It's, it's, it's the complete... Because it's a little bit uncharted territory for us? Yes. I mean, and also it's just the complete opposite from Jordan Woods' Tristan Thompson drama. Oh, this is like, yeah. It's like we're in the big leagues now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So as I'm sure most of you know, there is a lot going on within the royal family. And basically when this news broke, our DMs were flooded with people saying, emergency episode, emergency episode. And... We wanted to give it to you guys and we really wanted to break it down. But to be honest, we didn't feel fully qualified. We did our research, but I don't think that either of us have that intense knowledge on the royals, or at least at the level where we could really deliver. Well, it's such a complicated subject and dates back so much further than this one event. And there's so much you know, you, uh, understanding of the history of the royals and the bloodline and the family and all of these things that it, it's it's almost impossible to look at one situation and be able to just assess everything there. Exactly. So the second that this news broke, we DM'd this woman, Elizabeth Holmes. Her Instagram handle is eholmes, H-O-L-M-E-S. And she is a writer, a journalist, and really just a royals expert. She has this hilarious Instagram um, story series that she's actually turning into a book. We got into it with her at the end of the interview. But basically, I DM'd her and I was like, I need you. <laughs> Can you call in for an emergency episode? And she was so gracious and made time for us. So in a couple of minutes, we're going to cut to that interview with her because we basically asked her all of the questions that we wanted answers to and that we figured you guys would want answers to also. Wasn't she unbelievably oh thorough? Oh my God. And so knowledgeable and, and somebody that you can tell. Just She knows her she stuff. She knows her stuff. So in order to save time with her, I wanted to read you guys just to set the scene the Instagram caption that Sussex Royal, which is Harry and Meghan's account, posted on Wednesday. It read, it's a picture of them, and it read, After many months of reflection and internal discussions, we have chosen to make a transition this year in starting to carve out a progressive new role within the institution. 
we intend to step back as senior members of the royal family and work to become financially independent while continuing to fully support Her Majesty the Queen. It is with your encouragement, particularly over the last few years, that we feel prepared to make this adjustment. We now plan to balance our time between the United Kingdom and North America, continuing to honor our duty to the Queen, the Commonwealth, and our patronages. This geographic balance will enable us to raise our son with an appreciation for the royal tradition into which he was born, while also providing our family with the space to focus on the next chapter, including the launch of our new charitable entity. We look forward to sharing the full details of this exciting next step in due course, as we continue to collaborate with Her Majesty the Queen, the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Cambridge, and all relevant parties. Until then, please accept our deepest thanks for your continued support. Signed, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So basically, we're like, holy shit. Everyone was like, holy shit. Everyone was like, holy shit. I mean, this is the kind of news that truly breaks the internet. Right. It's also, you know, as, as Elizabeth kind of got into, the fact that we're seeing this on Instagram, that this news is being broke basically on Instagram instead of through a much more kind of formal statement like we would typically see was very surprising. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, think about it. Think about the the history of royal announcements and things that have come out. And this will go down in history as one of the most shocking and biggest announcements that's come from this family. And for it to take place on a platform like Instagram, it's it's. I mean, it's not only like shocking and surprising, but it's also so amazing and makes you think about the way that news is being delivered. It is. It really does. So anyway, I just want to cut to our phone interview with Elizabeth. Elizabeth, if you are listening, thank you. You are a class act and exceptional. And we quite literally could not have done this without you. She really saved us guys. So here it is. Hello. Oh my God. We we needed you for this one. <laughs> what a week, right? Oh my God. <laughs> what a week. I can't keep up. Yes. So I kind of want to intro this as like, let's consider this Royals for Dummies in the sense that can you break down Sussex Royals initial statement and what that means to someone who really doesn't understand it? Yes. So I think what happened was Harry and Meghan put forth in that announcement what they wanted. You know, they put forth a very elaborate and clearly well thought out plan of this new life in this sort of progressive role, as they call it, within the monarchy. And what's interesting here is they're not leaving the royal family. I mean, a lot of the headlines were like, they're out kind of thing. But they want to still be very much involved. They want to work on behalf of the queen. They want to live part time at Frogmore, which is which the queen owns and the taxpayers paid to renovate. They want, you know, the royal security. They they want the patronages. They want to do all of this stuff as part of the royal family, but they also want to do their own thing. So if they were like giving it all up and walking away and saying, no, we're going to go live a private, quiet life somewhere else and do our own thing, that would be one thing. But because they want to have sort of a foot in the royal world and then a foot in their own, in their own world, that's where it gets really complicated. Totally. Um, I wanted to ask you about a couple of individual words from the statement and see if you could elaborate on those. So when okay, they I'll s- do my best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when they say we intend to step back as senior members of the royal family and work to become financially independent while continuing to fully support Her Majesty the Queen, what is in this circumstance kind of like the definition of financially independent? Well, that I think is really like the the complicating factor here because if you read their very extensive Q&A that they had on their website, which to me said everything about how planned out this was on their end, they explained they they get 5% of their money from the sovereign grant, and that comes from taxpayers. And that 
opens them up to a lot of scrutiny, right? Because if you're paying your tax dollars towards something, I think people feel ownership over that. And they want very much to have a say or, you know, be able to criticize what, you know, how people live their lives. So I think what the Sussexes were trying to do was saying, you know, we're not going to take that money anymore and sort of free themselves of that relationship. Right. But it's only 5% of their money, right? So mm-hmm. 95% of it comes from Charles, from Prince Charles and his Duchy of Cornwall estate, which is a whole separate thing. So a lot of the criticism that's out there after the announcement was saying you want to be financially independent, but it's like, you're still getting 95% of your money from your family. I think the goal of what their new life would be is that they want to lessen that, that they want to make their own money. And that's where it gets really complicated because it's not like they're going out and like getting a nine to five job to make their own money. It's not like I I would assume Megan is not going to go back to acting. They want to make money and do their charitable work, which involves sort of raising money. And so if they get money from a big corporation, say, to build a school or a hospital, or if they work together with a media company to make a documentary, where does that money come from? And what does that mean for the queen? Because if they're still working as part of the royal family, it gets, there's a whole issue of conflict of interest of pay to play of that kind of influence that the royal family has long avoided. You're not allowed to accept gifts. You don't make money as a member of the royal family. And so the fact that the Sussexes both want to do royal things, but then want to do their own things, which involves making money, I think is just really complicated. And it sounds like that's what they're trying to sort out now. Right. Right. No, completely. I want to go, um, I want to ask you one more question about the statement. And then I want to, you know, examine the statement from Buckingham Palace. And then maybe we could go back for a second and talk about some of the factors leading up to this. Um, But first, when they say that they are, you know, looking to balance their time between the UK and North America, where in North America is that looking like? And slash, I'm sorry, I was just going to say slash, do we have any idea as to the balance, like what the split up would be? From everything I've read, it sounds like Canada. I mean, I wish they were coming down to the U.S. to (laughs) to hang in L.A., Um, but it sounds very much like Canada is their happy place. You know, Megan lived there while filming Suits for seven years. It's a Commonwealth country, so it's something that the the Queen has strong ties to. She's the head of state there, too. So I think Canada makes the most sense for them. I think it also sets them, I mean, it's, it's a long way away from the British media coverage. And so it gives them a certain element of privacy. And I think that they're after very much. Um, and they have a lot of friends there. I mean, it, it, you know, it sounds like Archie has been there, even though they came back to the UK and Archie was like hanging out <laughs> with Megan's friend, Tess Mulroney for these last couple of days. And so I think they feel like Canada is their sort of second home. And it sounds like it wants to be more than that now. Right. And they're there currently, right? Well, they were there. They spent like seven weeks of their break there. So they spent the entirety of their break, um, it sounds like, on the western part of Canada. And they came, they left Archie. They came back to London to do this event and make this announcement. And then it's unclear. Either Megan is flying back now or they're both flying back now. Right. And then, you know, Buckingham Palace responds saying, you know, discussions with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex at an early stage. We understand their desire to take a different approach, but these are complicated issues that will take time to work through. What was your reaction to that response? That changed everything for me because the announcement came out and I was like, wow, okay, they want to do their own thing. (laughs) Like, okay, kudos to them. But then when it came out, like Buckingham Palace, that's essentially them saying like, whoa, you know, we did not agree to this. Right. That was really surprising to me because, again, if they were going off to do entirely their own thing, that would be one thing. But they 
want to very much be working for the queen. And so they need that palace approval. Um, and so the, you know, for the palace to come out and be like, essentially they're, you know, the, the leaks were that they were hurt or they were blindsided by this. You know, today the, the spin from um, Sussex sources is very much that, you know, these discussions had already started. They had, you know, been working, you know, towards this for a while and they had been trying to start these discussions within the palace and they weren't, you know, finalized, but they wanted to make their announcement anyway. That sort of spin aside, it sounds very much like the queen today was like, okay, everybody get it together. So she asked Charles, William, and Harry's teams to sort of like meet and, and hammer out all these details of what this will actually look like. Yeah. This is kind of, there's really no precedent that they're following here, right? No, people have tried to make, really um, tried to sort of find examples of this in the past. And I don't think there really is. You know I mean? I think because... Um, because they want to have a foot in both worlds. That's what makes it really complicated. And I don't know that anybody's really tried to do this kind of thing before. I mean, I, I totally understand and see where the Sussexes are coming from, but I also know the British royal family is really complicated. It's a centuries-old monarchy with these very sort of specific rules and protocols in place. And the Queen, you know, has reigned for more than six decades and she's like devoted her whole life to this and I can't imagine how she would be feeling that one of her favorite grandsons has just gone totally rogue. Right. Yeah, I mean, see, that's something that we were really curious about because so many of the reports that come out and so many of the commentators on this are split. Some saying that they believe that it was fully a mutual decision between Harry and Meghan. And some, I think, you know, um, some more of the critics tend to blame Meghan for this. And people are very, you know, quick to come out and defend her. Number one, what do you think is the perception in Britain and just in your, from your perspective in terms of how mutual the decision was? I think it's very interesting that a lot of the focus is on Megan with this decision because I don't, I, I find that unfair. I, you know, I mean, obviously she's the new member of this family and, and people are keen always to sort of jump on the, the women in the royal family in particular. They get a lot more of, more attention here. But from all reports, Harry has not been happy for a long time. And I, I feel like he, you know, who's to say who's driving this, but it seems very much that Harry has been unhappy, especially with the press coverage of his wife. And so I feel very much like he's at least an equal part, if not the driving force here. What I find really interesting in the response, especially among fans, is I think it sort of forces us to evaluate what you are a fan of. If you're a fan of the British royal family, of the monarchy, of you know the institution of the queen, this is seen as a betrayal, right? They're right. going rogue. <laughs> they're they're leaving. They're doing their own thing. You know they want um, they want the royal privileges, but they don't want any of the responsibilities. You know, I mean the the pageantry and the protocol that's wrapped up in the royal family is something that a lot of people are really drawn to. So if that's if that's where your fandom sort of lies. This is a problem. If, however, you are a fan of the individuals, so like if, if Meghan and Harry are your draw, this is seen as like the most major empowering flex of all time, right? They're saying, right. no, we are global superstars. We are branching out on our own to find our own happiness, to realize our potential. We can do this as independent citizens kind of thing. And you're like, woohoo, like go, <laughs> go Meghan and Harry. And so... I also, I mean, very much in my belief is that you can feel both things, right? right. And I mm -hmm. think that's kind of where I fall, that I, you know, I mean, I was drawn to royal 
life before Megan hit the scene. And I am sort of fascinated by, you know, the, the monarchy as an institution. And, and I feel very much like, wow, they, you know, they're doing this thing and it's, I, you know, I don't know. But also, you know, I find Megan and Harry really exciting. <laughs> you know, I do want to see what they do. I think I want them to be happy. I want them to find a life that makes sense for them. So I think you can sort of be in the middle. But I think those two camps, whether you're a fan of the institution or a fan of the individual, it's sort of a really interesting thing for royal fans to think about. Yeah, I think that's a very important and kind of fascinating distinction. I think a question that a lot of people have also is, you know, a lot of this goes back to the relationship between Harry and William. And, you know... It, season three of The Crown, which a lot of people are watching, there you kind of see that struggle between Queen Elizabeth and Princess Margaret and, and that whole thing. And I think that a lot of people have been talking about, you know, that sibling rivalry in the number one and number two spot. And how do you think that plays into that decision or this decision that they're making? I think, you know, this is a reminder, like how messy this is, is a reminder that this is a family. That you know, I mean, as much as it operates like an institution or a company, it is a family, and family relationships are really complicated. And I think um, there was a setup for a long time where it was Harry and Will, and then Kate, and the three of them got along kind of famously, and they were always together, and they were doing a lot of things together, and um, the press really delighted in that relationship, and they seemed to all get along very well. And that was not going to be forever, right? Like, Harry was going to meet somebody. And so whatever the source, the rift between Harry and Will, I think it's very real. I mean, obviously, Harry acknowledged it. Um, I think it was sort of, I think a sort of growing apart was inevitable when he went on early days. People are trying to say the Fab Four, you know, like Kate and Meghan and Harry and Will, they were all going to work together. And that always felt a little forced to me. You know, I mean, Megan and Kate are so very different at their core. They come from very different backgrounds and had lived very different lives and entered the royal family at very different points in their lives. And they have very different futures. And so I think some sort of natural drifting apart um, was inevitable. I think it's unfortunate. You know, I mean, clearly there is something very serious happening between Harry and Will. And... um, you know, the other thing that's a big part of this is as you kind of look to the future, you know, Charles is on deck, right? He's been waiting for 71 years to be king, and he has his own his own sort of vision of what the monarchy looks like. And there's a, there's been a lot of talk out there that Charles and, and Will, too, want to streamline monarchy. So, like, slimming down the focus to the direct heirs, and it's sort of you know, it sharpens the message. And you can see that over the over the um, Christmas holiday when they put out those photos of the Queen and Charles and William and um, George. It was like, here, here are the right. royals that you should be caring about. Um, and so I think Harry knew that at some point he was going to have to, you know, do his own thing. It's, it's very unclear why they wanted to do it now. I mean, they've not been married for two years. It's been like 18 months, I want to say. I mean, it's so soon I wish for them that they would have perhaps waited do you, a do you, little bit. I don't know, that they would have tried a little bit more to work within the conference of the royal family because with that platform and with that privilege comes tremendous exposure and opportunity. Um, but they are. I mean, that's Perry and Megan are like the most famous people in the world. And I'm, you know, I'm sure they will go off to do great things. The family drama of this, though, is really messy. How much do you think um, the scrutiny from the media and how, you know, overbearing and sometimes, I mean, harassing they are towards Meghan and Harry, how do you think that played? Do you think this decision would come without that media scrutiny? 
I think their relationship was sort of kicked off with that, and I think it set the tone for everything. Um, I think, you know, it is it is an awful fact that Megan has been subject to racist and misogynistic coverage from the minute that she was a rumored girlfriend of Harry, and that's awful. That is, I mean, that there's no two ways about it. Um, and I think Harry and his relationship with her and his obviously experience losing his mother at such a young age has been fiercely defensive of Megan and um, the the steps that they're taking to try and get better coverage that's a big part of this new life that they're forging they don't want to participate in what's known as the royal rota which here in the states that's more like a more like a pool system where um, you know the British newspapers and television stations work together to cover their events and it's all sort of there's just a system in place and they Harry and Meghan want to do their own thing. They have 10 million followers on Instagram. <laughs> I think they think they can use their own platform and, you know, form relationships with their own journalists to get their message out there. As a journalist myself, I sort of, you know, that that's a hard one for me to swallow because I think scrutiny, fair scrutiny by a free press is an important part of something, you know, otherwise it's propaganda, right? right. What they put out on their Instagram is not... <laughs> <laughs> not in any way critical. It's, you know, the message that they want, you know, all of us to hear. I think there is value in independent reporting too. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because the Sussex is what they hold is they hold access, right? They can give interviews to who they want. Um, they can allow people into their events, but, you know, they can pick and choose now if they're doing it on their own. Um, it doesn't mean that you know, royal reporting won't happen around them, right? There are great royal reporters out there that will do great work and, and I'm sure go digging. But it's unfortunate to me how much the media coverage has has been involved in all of this. No, for sure. You know, something that we were curious about is because they're kind of, at least what it seems like, having this one foot in, one foot out approach, how much are the rules of being a royal still going to apply to them? And by that, I mean, you know, things as simple as the dress code and really just formalities of etiquette. Is that something that continues? You know, I think that's all sort of unclear. I think a lot of that, um, especially even just within the royal family, is unspoken in their public engagements. You know, a lot has been made about the fact that, you know, Megan has bare legs. She doesn't wear pantyhose. And I don't think there's a rule anywhere that says you have to wear pantyhose. Um, I think that's something that uh, royal women abide by, especially in the presence of the queen. We've seen Megan do that, certainly. Um, but things like, you know, the color of the nail polish and things, I think right. that's a little overblown. Um, I do think... Uh, I do think Harry and Megan in so much as they are still very much involved with the royal family, will abide by the spoken and unspoken rules. I think, um, you know, if they're still styled as their titles, if they're still their royal highnesses, that protocol will still very much be in place. Right. What going forward do you think is going to be most telling in terms of how this is all playing out? Like what statements, what behavior should we be looking out for the most in terms of trying to get a better understanding of all of this? I'm going to be very interested to see what kind of engagements they plan, so what their sort of calendar of events looks like for the next six months and how, uh, how they sort of position themselves 
um, because as a royal, as a member of the royal family, the uh, Megan has done sort of an array of things. We've seen her at the Hub Community Kitchen, you know, with her cookbook effort. That's a very sort of small, local engagement, really intimate and personal. But then we also saw them, you know, walk the red carpet at the Lion King premiere and hug Beyonce. Um, and, and both of those are sort of thrilling to watch from a royal perspective. It'll be interesting to see what specific causes and what, you know, kinds of events they do going forward and how that sort of foreshadows where they want to spend their time and energy. Um, I think they have a massive global platform. It's very exciting. They can bring about real change. They need to figure out a way to sort this family drama out and sort of put it behind them because I don't think it benefits anybody for this sort of extended messiness. And I think that's why the queen was like, okay, let's get this settled. Um, but how often we see them, you know, what sort of events we see them at, you know, who, if any of their sort of star star friends <laughs> participate mm-hmm. to will be really interesting. Um, I'm excited. I think, you know, people have been worried that, that you know, they think we might see them less. I don't, I don't think that whatsoever. I think they are very popular. I think people are, will continue to be interested and they will want to make more public appearances, not less. Mm. Do you think their social media habits will change? Because obviously, um, before, you know, becoming part of the royal family, Meghan had a whole, you know, very Americanized social media approach. And the royals, you know, the way they are on social media is, you know, very standard and very by the book and very proper. Do you think that the social media that they run as Sussex Royal will stay as is? Or do you think you'll start to see more of a um, more, you know, 2020 approach to social media? You know, I don't know. I would, I would imagine that they're going to play it pretty safe to start. You know, I mean, I don't imagine that they're going to like suddenly start posting selfies. Right. <laughs> they value their privacy and they know that they have a massive audience. And so with that, you know, obviously great power comes great responsibility. I think what Megan has done within social media and the royal family is really revolutionary because before, you know, their Instagram account hit and before they were, she was really on the scene, it was most of the social media was, was recap based. It was like, you know, Will and Kate did a thing and here's a picture and we'll post it kind of thing. And what Megan has done is found a way to keep up a posting cadence, you know, separate from their engagement. So obviously they always post about what they do, but they mark different days or holidays or, you know, um, with their once a month, they sort of spotlight different accounts and follow them. She's found a way to have a presence even when they don't have a public presence, right. you know, by appearing. And what that does is it keeps people, it, it sort of feeds that content beast, right? You have to keep posting to be in people's feeds, to be top of mind. And I would imagine if anything else, we're just going to see more more posts from them. I don't I don't imagine that they're suddenly going to open up <laughs> and, and um, start, you know, sharing more of their sort of private lives with us, but I would bet we will see even more from them on social media. Yeah, you know, as as uh, <laughs> the people who run this account, of course, we, that's our hope, you know, to have even yesterday when they post that and then Andy Cohen to comments saying like, oh, well, we'd love to have Megan on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's something we could have never imagined would be happening, <laughs> you know, in any, in any uh, proximity to the royal family. So that's been exciting for us. And I think our, our follower base being so celebrity focused, kind of like when you mentioned the thing about Beyonce and Jay-Z, that's what we're really curious about, how much their integration into the celebrity world is going to continue or lessen. Um, but like you said, we're just going to have to wait and see. I feel like, you know, that this will free them up to do a little bit more of that. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think royals are very keen to sort of 
um, there's a real sort of frugal sensibility about the royals, which sounds kind of funny because they're obviously the fanciest people on the planet, <laughs> but they're very keen to seem relatable. And I think um, the more that the Sussexes sort of break free from that, the more they can lean into their star power. Right. This was so fascinating and informative. I I really can't thank you enough. I mean, I called you, I emailed you frantically kind of asking, and you made time for us. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate that, really. Oh, I'm so thankful. I'm good. I mean, I think it's crazy. I think it's really exciting times to be someone who keeps tabs on the Royals. And, you know, I mean, I think the fandom community out here in, in Royal Land wants good things, you know, for them. And I think once they sort of sort it out, it just will mean um, more exciting and new things to follow. Definitely. Right. And, you know, obviously your your Instagram and your commentary is amazing, but I want you to tell our listeners who may not be so familiar with your work what you've been up to and what they can expect you expect from you, where they can find you, because I really think you are one of the best sources for all of this. Thank you. So I am a longtime journalist. I was on staff at the Wall Street Journal for a decade. And um, in 2017, when I um, left to go freelance, I started commenting on royal fashion on my Instagram, which you can find at eHolmes. And what I do is every time Megan or Kate steps out, I kind of break down their looks um, and what I think they're doing with their fashion. Um, because I think more so than even celebrities, royals use their fashion to send a message. They dress very thoughtfully, very strategically in their choice of designers and their colors and silhouettes and things that they want, sort of a mood they want to project. Um, so I break that down in my series called So Many Thoughts. And then later this fall, I have a new book coming out called HRH, So Many Thoughts on Royal Style. And it's looking at the fashion of Meghan and Kate, but also the Queen and Diana. And that's been so fascinating for me to dive into that research because so much of what we see today is informed, especially by Diana and and certainly by the Queen and what they did um, before these women. So you can look for that this fall. We will. De- we are so, so excited. excited. Oh, this is the best. You are incredible. Really. Next Thank time you're in New York, so much. yes, we would love to meet you. Thank you for this. Oh, it was- I would love. I would love that. I feel like I'm. I moved to California in 2017, and I'm just like, I'm not. California is lovely, but I'm a New York girl. Right. <laughs> we know how you feel. Like totally. Yeah. Well, next time you're here, we'd love to have you in the studio. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank, thank you. you. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.